My name is Greg. I'm Kara. And this is The Ways He Forms Us. I couldn't, I couldn't I, remember what our podcast was called. <laughs> I was going to see if you're going to jump in with me and help with, uh, help with The Ways He Forms Us, but that's okay if you didn't. Sorry. This is a podcast about the ways that God forms us into the image of Christ because the most fulfilling and dynamic way to live is not about the things we do but the person we are becoming. All right, today's podcast is going to be something that I didn't used to be very good at until I met somebody that told me I'm not very good at it (laughs) and told me to start doing it. And it is called silence and solitude. I was talking with a friend a few days ago and we're buddies, so we're trying to check in on each other during you know quarantine life and and all the things and as I was asking her how she was doing she got kind of vulnerable and told me that she had actually been experiencing almost what um, felt like panic attacks or like extreme anxiety moments and she said but Kara the weird thing is it's not happening like when everything is, you know, really chaotic or when, you know, when there's like a lot of noise happening in the house, these, this like, these panic feelings that I have are actually coming when it's really quiet and really calm in the house. Which I don't think is unusual. And when I was first thinking about that, I thought of it in terms of the same thing happens when you have been... Um, working a lot for a long stretch of time without a break and then you take mm-hmm. vacation and it's a two-week vacation and the first week and a half you're sick the whole time. Mm. It's almost because you're when all the humming of your life stops, when all the movement and all the activity of your life stops, um, you, you, it's like you're you're coming down off of something. And in some ways I think we're just uh, addicted to activity in life Mm -hmm. and we don't have a lot of spaciousness we don't have a lot of um quiet in our lives anymore i think external quietness or and internal quietness we just don't seem to have a lot of that anymore so i think what was happening with the person that you were talking with is is probably happening to a lot of people our life is slowing down and now we have moments of quiet, moments of forced um, slowdown, and we're, things are coming to the surface that were kind of inside of us. Mm-hmm. So which is why we want to talk about today this practice of um, building into your life before another pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, moments of silence and moments of solitude. And I'll just start by confessing for much of my life, um, I was far too spiritual to consider silence and solitude as a legitimate means of strengthening and deepening my relationship with Jesus. I mean, we've been trained to think of discipleship mainly in terms of, well, one version of it is stuffing our brains with as much Bible knowledge as possible, which is obviously a very, very good thing. But we're not just embodied brains walking around the earth. Uh, Another thing is um, 
we gut through our list of prayer supplications and sometimes our prayers just kind of feel empty or shallow or repetitious. It just, they don't have a lot of life or freshness or vitality about them. Mm. And um, sometimes we, we feel like we just have to give our lives away constantly, sacrificially until we're completely depleted and work through the depletion and not complain about it and be good soldiers for Jesus. Mm. Um, all these things kind of make it feel like sitting still with God doesn't seem like discipleship. It doesn't feel radical enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kara and I are just going to bust through some of these reasons why we we sometimes avoid silence and solitude. Um, what what are some of the reasons? What do you think, Kara, is something that one of the reasons why people avoid just sitting still, just being silent for a, a measure of time? Mm-hmm. I think uh, we feel like we're too busy to do something that's simple. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, it doesn't feel productive hmm. um, <laughs> because I'm a to-do list kind of girl. And I won't lie, there's a bit of a dopamine hit, you know, scratching something off the to-do list because um, often the the benefits that you begin to reap from silence and solitude you don't see those right away and I think in just the normal pace of life we get to see a lot more instant tangible evidence that we've actually accomplished something Um, and I'll be the first person to admit that for a lot of areas of my life and you know as God's you know, working through stuff with me, less and less of my identity is wrapped up in my accomplishment of things. Um, But I'm totally that person on the personality scale that um, a lot of my self-worth can be wrapped up in what I am doing or accomplishing my purposes in life. So when when we first start exploring the idea of silence and solitude, you weren't into it because you felt like, What's that accomplishing? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. things to be done. Yeah. Like even checking that off a list. Oh, do yeah. nothing. Didn't feel do like nothing a, is not something to check off the list. Not much of an accomplishment <laughs> for someone that eats tasks for breakfast. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think another reason is when you're still, stuff floats to the surface. For sure. Um, we had a... One of the things that I used to do was I'd take students to northern Minnesota to an organization called Tent Makers, and we'd stay up in this place called Wilderness North, which is out in the middle of nowhere past Duluth, Minnesota, and absolutely loved it up there. There was, I mean, barely, when we would go, you couldn't use your cell phones, and you'd sleep out in tents for a week. And one of the things that we would do is go along the Lake Superior shoreline, and um, we would have a, I don't remember if it was four to six hour stretch of of silence and solitude and I remember one year talking with one of the leaders about you know I just sense that something's going to come out you know if you give teenagers if you give people that much space to be quiet and alone um, and the humming begins to stop in their brains of all the activity they're about in life sometimes things float to the surface and I remember there was a young person who um, there was a repressed memory of something really terrible that happened that was influencing his life beneath the surface at a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. And it 
came to the surface during this four to six hours of solitude along the Lake Superior shoreline. And he said that he never, he had never sat that still, that quiet, that alone for that long. And it had been all these years and this thing that happened to him when he was a kid came to the surface. And mm-hmm. because of that, and we followed up with him and uh, he pursued counseling. And that's as far as we got. We made sure that he was with a good, healthy, uh, Christ-centered counselor at home to deal with that. But he was shocked. He was shocked at the memory that came to the surface. So sometimes we avoid silence because I think we intuitively know that things could come to the surface that we just don't want to don't want to deal with. Do you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with that. Um, I remember the first time. I think it was some kind of like random not even meditation app. I don't even know what it was, but we were on vacation and um, you were like, yeah, like let's, let's try this app. And like, I'm going to try five minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally sit still for like 15 or 20 minutes. And so I like pop my headphones in and I sit down and I'm like, still, oh my gosh, like I had not grieved my grandmother passing away Mm. the year before. I was, I was shocked at how much stuff my poor little brain was trying to process just in like a 15 to 20 minute span. There was no space happening in my brain, but my, my subconscious was like, oh, finally, thank you. For sitting still so that we can deal. <laughs> yeah. And that's what is one of the most shocking aspects of the experience of starting to practice some silence and mm-hmm. solitude is how much your your brain, you just get this avalanche of feelings and thoughts and you know, anger was coming up inside of me and all these things that I just didn't realize were actually there because we're actually not very self-aware people. Most people are have very, very, very underdeveloped Mm self-awareness. And I think that self-awareness is important because you need to know what to confess to God. You need to know what to confess honestly that you're struggling with. You need to know how to pray. Most of our prayers, I think, are pretty shallow because we, um, we just rotely go through a list of things that we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be praying about. But we have very little really engaging interaction with God. Silence, um, brings out all of these things that have been buried inside of you that helps you to do business with God. And mm-hmm. he's able to restore you and enter into your wounds in a, in a deeper way and, and change you at a deeper level, I think, through silence. So you also said something about not only um, things float to the surface, but you were saying that as a result of that, you were really learning from the Psalms. Mm-hmm. about how to go to God with the reality of what you were experiencing um, through silence and solitude. Do you want to say something about that? Yeah. Um, I think I think sometimes when, when we're dealing with stuff or if we have a glimmer of self-awareness, we just, it's normal, I think, to just kind of feel bad about maybe like you, you realize like you didn't treat someone well or something in your past has surfaced and you you need to start dealing with these things. And if we don't have a category 
of knowing how to go to God in prayer with the reality of what we are feeling and what is actually like my life, your life in this moment, um, then we will never feel like we can go to God or be still or be silent in prayer um, because if you don't know how to do business with those feelings and the reality that is your life, you're going to avoid anything that reminds you of the reality of your life. And I think that we're living in such um, such an interesting time um, where we have things immediately at our fingertips to distract us and um, avoidance through apps or I mean good grief there's millions of different things that you could watch or you know go down the YouTube bunny trail and you know come out hours later Um, and I think the Psalms are a beautiful picture of the writers just literally going to God exactly how they were sometimes in praise and sometimes in rage and sometimes just in despair and sometimes they don't the psalms don't wrap up neatly but they give us a category of being real and going to God exactly as we are Mm -hmm. I think the last reason that we avoid silence and solitude is because we avoid boredom like the plague (laughs) it's just something that we don't know how to be in our culture we don't know how to be bored Um, I mean Whenever you get a, you start to feel a little bit bored, you grab your phone, you start scrolling, and we are so obsessed with entertainment mm-hmm. that um, we just don't allow any space for ourselves to be bored. And that's something actually we tell our daughters, it's okay to be bored. It's actually good to be bored. It's good for you. It it, it pressures you to be creative in ways that you wouldn't be if you could just pick up your phone and start scrolling again. So mm-hmm. I'm all about... I'm all about embracing the boredom and the tediousness that sometimes comes with silence and solitude, Mm -hmm. especially when I first started practicing. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of, hey, this doesn't, I don't think this is doing anything for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But surprise, as you continue and stay with it, um, like most spiritual disciplines, just like prayer, you usually don't feel the impact right away. There's a lag. Mm -hmm. The impact the effect happens sometime down the road, sometime later. Um, so those are some of the ways, some of the reasons why we avoid silence and solitude. And obviously we're covering this in, I don't know, 30, 30 minutes plus. So we're, it's not going to be exhaustive. We're just going to talk about a few things. Um, but we want to just encourage you to get started on this path. So what are some of the benefits of silence and solitude. And I think it's important to start with just saying that there's nothing inherently magical about silence. It there's there's nothing that you know, nothing about silence makes you any more like Christ. It's what silence makes room for mm-hmm. that makes you more like Christ. It's what silence does with your scripture reading. It's what silence does with your prayer time. It just makes you more available to God. 
and it makes you more attentive to scripture. You begin to see beneath the words a little bit better when you've spent time in silence and solitude, when you open up scripture to read. And it seems like you're just more, you're more attentive to the Spirit's direction and instruction through scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the first benefit of silence and solitude is, um, is that prayer. I was in a stage of my life that most of my prayers were functional. Uh, they were repetitive. They were stale. Uh, I was starting to say the same things over and over. I was trying to find fresh ways to say the same requests. And most of my um, prayers were happening pretty much at surface level. They weren't sinking beneath um, sinking beneath the skin any more than just saying, well, God, help me to have a better day. I'm praying for this person. I think they need to do this better. And um, here's a sin that I'm struggling with, and I confess that. Can you give me the grace to be transformed more into your image? All good prayers, but it wasn't, it didn't, the prayer didn't have any real gravity, real vitality, real freshness to it. And that was one of the surprise benefits of spending extended time in silence and solitude, that it actually began to transform my prayer life, which was really, really cool and unexpected. Mm-hmm. I think another benefit of silence and solitude and I've definitely experienced this over the past few years is you feel less lonely Um, when we moved here to the town that we're currently living in five years ago um, I didn't know anybody when we moved here and a lot of things in our life had come to a close and the relationships um were situational and so when we moved here I I really didn't have any friends and I was incredibly lonely and um it takes time as a (laughs) grown-up to make friends and so we began um conversing with our now mentor at the time and when he started to kind of give us the challenge (laughs) to begin practicing silence and solitude Um, it was incredibly difficult Um, but as I began to do that the inner world of my thoughts and my soul began to expand and I think everybody struggles to some degree with loneliness Um, there's that cliche saying, you know, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And I do believe that that's true because we are built for intimacy and fellowship with God. Um, and one of my favorite authors, um, Ruth Haley Barton, she's incredible in her book, um, The Sacred Rhythms. When she's talking about practicing silence and solitude, she has this beautiful way of saying it she said it's the only time that she isn't lonely and I identified with that so much Um, it doesn't matter what's going on in the circumstances of my life the reality of my life it can be very very difficult it can also be very very joyful but so often even when things are going really well Um, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop or we're waiting 
for the bad thing to happen or it's like or or this wonderful moment is almost over and so we can be sad and lonely even in the middle of like really great moments and I've discovered over the past few years that that feeling has lessened because I'm I'm never alone I'm always I'm always secure in my relationship with Christ my spirit is communing with the father yeah there's a great verse psalm 94:19 that says when the cares of my heart are many your consolations cheer my soul mm-hmm. and it is a real um, gift to actually get to the place where we can honestly say that God is our comforter, mm-hmm. that God is our hope, that um, there's a type of loneliness that cannot be, it, it can't be fixed by, even by people that love us, even with our closest friends and loved ones, there's still a type of loneliness that's there that can only be satisfied um, through a deep, intimate relationship with Christ. And the the quick the best way that I know how to get there is through silence and solitude is through sitting alone with God. Um, so again, silence isn't there's nothing magical about silence. It's actually being silent before God. That's probably a better way to say it. You're not just trying to be quiet. You're not just trying to quiet your inner world. Although that's important. It's for the sake of being more available to God, mm-hmm. because God's always available to us we're the ones that often isn't available to him. Um, And silence allows us to be more available to him. And we were made to receive consolation from God primarily. Sometimes that's through people, but you can also experience that directly um, through communing with him in silence. Mm -hmm. So, and you kind of touched on this too, that another benefit is that this type of solitude and silence with God is a way of creating a stimulating inner world with God Mm -hmm. Uh, so that it gets eventually to the point where we actually enjoy extended time alone with God Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when that's when the real rewards of this come I used to dread so part of our rhythm is a monthly four to six hour time slot of solitude and silence alone with God and Kara and I put that in our calendars and then we also have a quarterly retreat a two a two night retreat where it's solitude prayer scripture alone time with God and I actually used to regret those times I I mean not regret them but I I would I would not look forward to them I was not anticipating them. I was not excited about them because it just felt like a drag and I didn't feel like it was accomplishing anything. Hmm. And it was only after doing that, I don't know how many, couple years maybe we've been practicing that. I don't know how long it's been. I don't, I just don't remember. But it's something like that. It's only after we, I've been doing that that now I'm like, the next one is coming. And it's such a sweet time of hmm. enjoying, like sometimes it's chewing on a scripture, a passage for half, you know, a day. Um, sometimes it's just listening to worship music. Sometimes it's just being completely quiet and still by a lake somewhere and just being available to God and just having honest conversation with him as things come to mind. But it's always, I always look forward to it now. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to get there. Mm-hmm. 
And I would say the last benefit is that um, that we're going to talk about is that when you speak out of silence, it just seems to have a little bit more gravity. Um, I think in ministry, it's really easy to give advice very loosely and unthoughtfully. Mm-hmm. You're either saying what you think someone else would say, or you're saying you're, you're making something up, or you're parroting uh, someone else's advice that they gave you, or you're giving input out of a book that you just read. Or we, we don't we don't give a lot of poignant real spiritually nourishing discipleship counsel mm-hmm. um, because it usually seems we're just <laughs> we're, we're not super thoughtful we just want to give something we want to give an answer and what I was finding that the more comfortable I was with silence the better listener I was to people and the better listener I was to God as mm-hmm. I was talking with people so the counsel seemed seemed to land differently when I was in the practice of silence and Likewise, when I was out of the practice of silence, when I wasn't spending that time alone with God, um, I would just be saying the same old stuff I'd always say, and it mm-hmm. wasn't super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, there, is, there is a gravity, and I think you and I can even sense, like we feel different even in our bodies when we're sitting with someone and we're fully present like like praying okay god help me to listen you know all right what do you think about this like we're we're just so in tune with the spirit and so present with the person or the couple that is in front of us and but there isn't that same level of I'm going to use the word care. Um, like we care about the person, but I think we just take these these situations um, with a lot more um, gravity and we realize how important it is um, to be fully present and embodied in that moment, communing with the Father and being available to listen to someone. Um, and that can only come out of... Um, just space with Jesus. I think so. Yeah. Let's share a little bit of our experience with this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some inner resistance to doing this, like we we touched on earlier. For me, the I I had a lot of stuff I needed to do. There's time pressures. This kind of feels like a waste of time. Um, you don't really feel the effects right away. So I'm instant gratification. What is this going to accomplish for me today? Just all the stupid, silly things that that I typically think. So um, there was all sorts of reasons for that I was coming up with as to why I should not have spend four to six hours just sitting in a chair or sitting out in the woods. Um, I, I, did, I don't have to be too creative to, to come up with excuses as to why that's not helpful. Hmm. <laughs> Just didn't seem helpful at all. So that was uh, those were some of my big ones. Just time demands, and I felt like there were too many other things I needed to get done. Yeah, I think for me the resistance that I felt um, was a little bit different. I felt at first very guilty for taking that time, um, just as a mom and um, as a 
you know, a wife whose husband works from home. Um, I don't know. I didn't want to be, I didn't want that time to be a burden on anyone else, if that makes sense. Um, and then I think the flip side of that was at first, I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself <laughs> for six hours. Um, the first couple times were pretty challenging. Um, obviously I, you know, did not bring my phone, um, or any, you know, thing that could potentially be a distraction. And I just, I ended up just kind of like wandering around outside at a, in a park, like, I don't know, it was really good, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything magical either. Um, the first couple of times just kind of felt weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. And my first time, my, my first time of an extended, the, the first retreat that I took, I was exhausted the entire time and I probably slept two thirds of the time. And I think for me, it was more about just catching up on on uh, sleep than it was anything spiritual happening at all. So that was that was my first experience with extended solitude. Like your retreat, the forty eight hour retreat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my first retreat, um, forty eight hours, two nights. I hadn't been alone like that in a a long time, and um, there were several emotions. One of them was just like this relief that I felt to just be alone. But then I was also like terrified (laughs) to be alone. I could not believe how much I cried. And I'm not a crier, but there there was just so much emotion that I hadn't dealt with. And this was like two weeks after we had gotten, like we just planted the church. I was so tired. Yeah, and I think that's what's, one of the things that's really surprising about this is when you when you make the space in your calendar to just sit still before God, the intensity and number of feelings that come up that you just, you don't know where they're coming from is, for me, it's absolutely shocking. I said earlier, it was, for me, a lot of anger just coming out of nowhere. And God has since used um, me creating space just to be still before him to, to heal and to deal with some of those things in my life. But I, I was shocked at the intensity of feelings that came to the sur- surface. And there was nothing, I mean, super spiritual about that. It just, I was quiet and I was still and they had time to come to the surface. So, yeah, it was really, really strange. Yeah. And fortunately, it was just like maybe my first two retreats that were really intense like that. And any all the other retreats that I've taken since then have just been this restful and you know almost like joyful experiences of just having extended time and space to just do business with God and rest Mm, yeah well this is all really great um but what are some practical ways that you know if people have never done this before let's just give a few Mm -hmm. practical ways that they can they can get into this a little bit. Um, and I, I would say the first thing is, and this is even if you don't practice silence and solitude, this is probably a good idea that to have regular times uh, where your phone and your computers are off and put away. And if you have 
a family, I think it's probably good to do that as a family, that this is when we shut our phones down, this is when we shut our, our devices and screens down, and we're going to put them in this spot in another room where we aren't. Um, and Kara said, when we were talking about this, if you have a smartwatch, turn off all the notifications. <laughs> and, um, and this, actually, there's a great resource out there, Cal Newport. Uh, is an author and he's a professor at Georgetown University. He do, he has a great book called Digital Minimalism, and that'll get you started thinking about this in a in a good way. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the first suggestion. Just have regular times where you silence all devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think a way to start is don't be heroic. <laughs> If you have never sat still for five minutes, start small. Um, begin with just small moments. You're gonna hate the day. it. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> feel like you're dying. <laughs> it's worth it. Do it anyway. Um, but yeah, begin with small moments throughout the day. If you are the type of person that always has to have music on in the background or the TV on in the background, or you cannot drive you know, back and forth to work without having a podcast or music on. All right, here's your challenge. Silence in the car. Just try silence in the car. Or heck, if you even need to start smaller, silence just while you're at stoplights. Just just begin. Because what you'll begin to see is that um, noise will comfort you in some way and it will distract you from what your brain wants to bring to the surface. Right, yeah. And part of the goal is to to silence some of that external noise so that the internal noise can begin to work itself out in you. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be able to sit. Your, your inner noise is not going to be silent um, for a while. It, it take It just, you might have to... <laughs> You might have to be doing this for a while before you actually can get still before God internally. Um, I, and another thing that helps is sometimes first thing in the morning, if you just have a cup of coffee, I'm going to sit here and drink this cup of coffee in silence and just say, okay, God, I'm going to sit here before you and I just want to spend time with you and teach me how to do that. I think it's, I think Brennan Manning, Brennan Manning, his his breath prayer was, uh, first thing in the morning was, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And he would just start with coffee and saying that until um, his heart caught up with the moment. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get really crazy, you can set aside a three to five, three to five hour, four to six hour, one of those two, um, quarterly time block for silence and solitude, where you're out of the house, you're you're sitting in the woods, um, you are away from anything that's going to demand anything from you, whether that's conversation or response or um, whatever it is, you are just completely away from anything that could uh, ask something of you, and just start doing that quarterly. Um, so there's, there's every three months. And then I think the way you really start though, is just infusing moments of silence and quiet and solitude into your, into your daily activities. 
All right, friends, that's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed our time together, this little table conversation with Kara and I. Um, And as per usual, if you have toddlers, your spiritual discipline is raising raising toddlers (laughs) because they will teach you how to be dependent upon God better than anything else in your life. So don't guilt yourself if you don't have space for silence and solitude. Um, there is, there are oceans of grace available to you. Go be a good mommy and daddy. But if you can, get five minutes of silence in. Anything else? Nope, that's it. Bye. Bye.